Welcome to the Superhero of Love podcast. I am Bridget Fonger, and I wrote a book called Superhero of Love, Heal Your Broken Heart, and Then Go Save the World. My book is all about helping people love and be loved more than ever. I believe we all have a superhero of love inside of us. Yes, even you, superhero. And in this podcast, I talk to people who are all about helping us all tap into that superhero. May this episode make a difference for your heart. Let's get this party started. Hello, superheroes of love. Thank you for coming to this Thanksgiving podcast. Even if it's you're listening to this way, way, way after Thanksgiving, I just have to take an, uh, this opportunity to say thank you, thank you, thank you. I haven't really properly thanked all my listeners. And if you found this podcast, I just, from the bottom of my heart, I just say thank you. And if you like it, please, please help us spread the word, bring more superheroes of love into the fold. Um, if you know somebody that you'd like to have me interview, please tell me about that person um, or please tell them about the podcast and, and um, have them contact me. I'm always looking for people who are out there in the world, helping people love and be loved more. And you, thank you for being one of those people by listening to the podcast and opening your heart to it. You are a superhero of love out in the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sweet listener. Now I hope you enjoy this podcast. My interview with Amy Galicia Torres, an extraordinary documentary filmmaker. Welcome superheroes. We're here with a very special person, Amy Galicia Torres. I invited Amy on this week, uh, kind of impromptu because of Facebook. And I have to say that the magic of Facebook um, continues to uh, <laughs> to enamor me to it, even though there are so many problems with it, and I am considering other platforms. But this is one of those things where Amy and I met on Facebook um, just over a year ago. I was looking for somebody to shoot the Love Forward Talks events, and I went on a Facebook group called Inspired Women of Los Angeles, and I asked for recommendations, and Amy was recommended to me, and I immediately loved her, and she did the most fantastic job. If you need a cinematographer um, anywhere in the world, because uh, she, she ha has camera, will travel, <laughs> has cameras, will travel anywhere, has a drone and will travel with drone too. But Amy did an amazing job shooting the Love Forward Talks videos. And if you go over to the YouTube, the Superhero of Love YouTube channel, you'll see her, her beautiful work of shooting at an even very last minute. You did an amazing, amazing job, Amy. So I just want to thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great opportunity. It was such a special day. And because you were embroiled in that day from start to finish with what my work is about of helping everybody open their hearts more, heal their hearts, be more able to love and be loved in the world, you understood why I immediately wanted to have you on the podcast when I saw that you posted this week the press conference that you did. Why don't you tell us why you held a press conference this week? So um, there was a recent law that just passed um, under California. It's the AB 215, which is the Ch uh, Child Victims Act, which essentially uh, extends the statute of limitations for survivors of child abuse. The statute of limitations used to be you had up to the age of 26, or I think up to three years upon discovery when you realized that the abuse was affecting you to pursue like some sort of civil case. Now this AB 218 um, 
law that was just recently signed on October 13th, I believe. Um, it allows survivors um, to, um, a three-year window to be able to have more time to be able to get their day in court. So from instead of 26, you, I think, believe you up to, up to the age of 40. Oh, okay, great. And yeah, you so are, you're in your 30s, right? I, I'm 34. And okay. so this is such a great opportunity because a lot of people who are survivors of abuse and stuff like that, they don't really start to kite, come forward till they're in their in, later in life, you know, so this enables more time for them to essentially um, come out and uh, file even a suit or just be able to, you know, get the justice that they needed. And you were saying that th it used to be three years from the moment that they discovered that it was affecting them. Like that's just yeah. craziness to me because obviously yeah. it was affecting them the whole time and whatever. Yeah. Okay. So when did it, when did you, did you reckon, had you been recognizing it all this years or did it, did you come, did you have a come to Jesus moment where you were like, okay, I got to do something about this. No, I've actually been coming forward about my case since I was a kid. You know, I first told some family members and they really didn't do anything at the time. And then I told my mom and then based on like the way the culture is, they don't, they don't really know how to handle the situation. And then I was waiting years and years for something to be done. And then eventually I was going through some depression and whatnot. And then I, then in high school, I um, was talking to my school minister and he was the one that essentially called the police and got oh. this guy arrested. Wow. But, yeah. So I came forward with, um, I think I had just turned 17. So, um, and then that's when um, this priest got arrested. And then later, essentially long story short, what happened with my case is since they felt like, um, I, it was his first time offense. And this was new. This was before all the Catholic church scandals was coming forward. And coincidentally, when I did come forward, all this stuff started happening behind me. So he was trying to blame the, uh, the fact that because of all these are happening that I'm trying to capitalize on the Catholic church scandal. I'm like 17 years. Old. I didn't even know about any of that. I just yeah. knew that what he did to me was wrong and the way how my family handled it was wrong. And I wanted, and it was eating me up inside and I had to tell someone. So essentially they felt that he couldn't do any jail time. So the DA suggested he file like, um, like a, like a, for a misdemeanor. So he essentially got a misdemeanor of battery oh and a, like a, I don't know, like a $50 fine. He never had to register as sex offender and pretty much got to live out the rest of his life. He's still alive. As a priest? As yeah. a priest? We don't, I don't know that. So in the our LA Archdiocese, it lists him as inactive. But what my lawyers came to find out, you know, just recently um, was that the, he was registered to an address in Los Angeles, which happens to be St. Basil's Church. Oh now, get God. this. One of my girlfriends was telling me because um, her friend husband um, used to be an ex-seminarian. Um, they said that this is a church where they happen to send priests with problems, whether it's alcoholism or pedophiles and stuff like that so it was kind of weird because me and my lawyers were talking about it I was like why do, is there a lot of pedophile priests or priests that have sexually abused kids home to this address so we're trying to find out the answers to that so again I tried to come forward again seven years ago I was googling looking for lawyers and I found a lawyer um and then he was going to represent me and stuff and I I was seven years ago so um it was right before my statute of limitations but first one expired and um a year later he passed away unexpectedly the, the my, lawyer my, okay. yeah so then my statute of limitations expired and 
I was left with, what am I going to do? How am I going to be able to, you know, have justice, be able to get my story out and have some healing? So I started, you know, I started kind of documenting myself through the years, like about what happened. Cause you know, when you get older, um, you know, you just want to have it there, you know? So started documenting my story here and there. And then I just recently, weird story. I started working out with one of my friends. Uh, her name is Christy Honore. And I just told her about this project I was working on, you know, I want to someday, you know, when I'm successful and whatever, I want this to be kind of like my, you know, kind of like my, uh, just a, a, something I wanted to show people that d despite what happened to me, this is not going to define me. Right. And um, I told her about what happened to me. And then a couple of days later, she heard an ad on the radio looking for people that were survivors of clergy abuse. And honestly, I was reluctant to call given what happened to me and the laws at the time. That was October 8th. So if you notice the timeline, October 13th is when they signed the new law into effect. So I yeah. had no idea about this. Right. Um, so I called and they decided to, uh, um, the law firm that represents me, um, Jeff Anderson Associates, decided to take my case. And here I'm at like a month and a half later, didn't realize that my case would be one of the it, they're saying that it's the first case to be filed under this new law because the new law does not take into effect till January 1st, 2020. But my lawyers had a hand in writing the new law. So I think that's how we were able to submit my case before everyone. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Okay. So, yeah. and, and you were 12 years, were you 12 years old when the abuse started? Um, started when I was eight, all the way up till I was 12 years old. Okay. All right. And you went to your family. So this is where that taking care of your heart thing. I just want to talk about this just in case anybody listening has had this experience, right? Where you go to the people that you know and love in your family and they don't know what to do. So, so tell me about that process and how that felt and, and how you dealt with it. Cause you are, you're one of the strongest women that I know. I don't, I, you, you really have this extraordinary inner strength. Um, and I'm, I'm just curious if this, if this helped form that strength or did, were you, did you pop out of the womb like this? Cause you feel, you seem like I popped out of the womb like this, but I think like every experience kind of like formulates the person that you're going to be. I don't want to say that, you know, because of me being sexually abused that led me to the person. Cause I feel like you can formulate and be the person you are without any bad things happening to you. Yeah. But I think it helped me realize that I wanted to be a voice for others. You know, I've always wanted to be a filmmaker and whatnot. So I think it kind of solidified that drive in me that, you know, because my voice wasn't being heard, I never wanted to be that person. And I wanted to be that person that people can go to and have their voice heard and to be that person to share their stories. So it, I thought it was very important just as a as a person and then now you know as my career as a filmmaker to be able to share people's story because you never know who you're going to be impacting and helping along the way so i use this negative situation that happened in my life to help be a voice for others that couldn't you know be a voice for themselves that couldn't stand up for themselves you know because i know what that's like and i i never wanted anyone to have to go through what i went through so back, I, I just asked you multiple questions all at once, but back to the original question that I wanted to ask, how did you deal with that at age, at age eight or whenever you first told your family members and they couldn't be there for you? 
Um, it was honestly a very difficult thing for me to kind of handle because given the fact that I was eight and then 12, you know, you felt as a kid, you were going through this all alone and you do the right thing. You're told that anything's wrong. You go to the adults. That's the right thing. And then you expect the adults to um, take the necessary steps and do the right thing. But then when that didn't happen, I knew in myself that I needed to, to go elsewhere. You know, I couldn't keep holding that in because it was just kind of destroying me. I was depressed and whatnot. And I found that, you know, taking that chance, telling someone else outside of my family would be, um, you know, I might as well go for it. Cause at that time, you know, I wasn't losing anything, you know, I was already upset. I was already going through these things. So I went, told my school minister and it was a very therapeutic experience because you have somebody that's not in the circle that you're used to being around and they're validating that yes what happened to you was wrong and we need to do something about it because when you when you, as a kid when you see things not happening you really you, you feel like you're the one that's guilty like oh they don't value or you know they didn't um they don't take what you're saying as serious as it they should you know and so when someone took that initiative and did that it just made you know I want to say it took a lot of weight off me because yeah. now the people in my life that should have done something, they had to take accountability for it because, and they had to accept that this was wrong. This, I mean, not saying that they didn't, but they just did not handle. And at least they had, they had to, they were forced to have to deal with it. It sounds like you all had an ally in the minister. Like, the minister could take the lead then for all of you. Yeah. And it's difficult on everybody's hearts. I feel like I have many friends who were abused and, and most of them had the experience of having somebody know even that the abuse was going on. And that, that almost wears as much on their heart as the, the abuse does. Right. So it's, it's hard when you, when people aren't taking care of your heart, but what an extraordinary thing that that man did step forward and take care of your heart. Yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, I think, you know, there are people that come into your life at the right time and right place. And he was definitely one of those people. And, you know, I'm glad that I didn't like stop telling my story because had I did, who knows the type of person I'd become, you know, it was just eating me up inside. And I knew that, there had to be somebody that, you know, valued the valued what I said and was going to take it seriously to escalate it to the next level. So I, I think that's such a great lesson. And I'm pretty passionate about what you exactly just now said. Like I, I've been doing these series of events with the theme of what the world needs now, which is love, sweet love, obviously, but it's also your story, your heart, your heart story. So this is kind of a call to action to say your stories. And um, I just want to insert here because it just occurred to me this moment that I, this is going to go up on Thanksgiving Day. And it's a day that we're around people where we, this is an opportunity to share stories and to ask people. Sometimes people aren't like you and I, like you and I are storytellers, right? By nature. In, but yeah. some people are natural storytellers and they need to be asked, yeah. you know, about their stories telling your story and keep continuing to tell your story, whoever would listen to it was, it sounds like the number one healing thing you did for yourself. Yeah, definitely. Cause I feel like, you know, when a lot of people bottle things in, it just, you, you it just eats at you, you know, and then one day you're just going to explode. And more often than not, it's not a good 
good way, you know? And I mean, um, during this process, you know, I've found some things throughout um, this process about me not being the only person that this happened to, you know? And, and I realized along the way, a lot of people knew certain things that could have prevented this happening to me. And, you know, I'm not trying to put any blame on, you know, my family or anybody. I'm just trying to get people to take accountability. You know, if you hear something that's wrong, say something, you know, don't just sweep it under the rug, you know, because you don't know what can happen. You don't know that that decision that you're making could impact someone's life. You know, I think sometimes people get so preoccupied with their daily life as long as it's not having anything to do with them directly at that particular moment, they just ignore it, you mm -hmm. know, but if you hear something wrong, say it, you know, if you hear, if you find out something wrong, don't just keep it in because what you do at that moment can impact someone for the rest of life in a good or negative way, you know, and it's, and, you know, I, I think too, this is what I, I wish I said during my um, conference is that I think, you know, when people do tell you, like, there's something going on, you know, like the person on the receiving end, you know, I, I want people to value that information, you know, and not just poo-poo it under the rug, because it's hard enough as a survivor to just come forward and say what happened to them. And then to have that person on the receiving party do nothing is really difficult. It could literally destroy all morale and faith that person has in anybody. You know, so it's very important to take that seriously and take action. So for me, I've always been like a doer. So it's important for me to encourage people to not just say something, do something, you know, because you telling your story is one thing, but you being able to help prevent this from happening to somebody else is a whole nother thing. That's personally why I came forward because I, I, I didn't know that this was going to happen you know, other people, you know, but I knew that it needed to stop because it was wrong. And, you know, I, and as I learned, you know, you're usually never the only person that this happens to these people, right. these, these pedophiles, they do this all the time, you know, so you have the ability to end that abuse. And so that's kind of like, you know, why I feel like that's important for me. And, that, and that's helped me heal throughout the years is knowing that I can make an, a change that could impact someone's life in a positive way. And absolutely you are. The other thing that happens when somebody doesn't, when it's such a delicate thing to, to reveal your heart and tell, tell the story of abuse. And then when the person on the receiving end, like you said, not only do they not take that story forward and do something about it, if, if the victim feels like it landed the wrong way, they could stop telling their story. So it's important how we listen to each other's stories and just take them in, don't judge, reflect the story back to the person, allow the person to have whatever reaction they're having and just listen. We're, you know, I, I wish they taught listening even to me. I mean, I'm still learning how to listen. I wish they taught listening in school. Like, you know, and it's really, in a way, it's also witnessing, right? Like, let me witness your heart and what your heart went through. Completely agree, 100%, you know? Because I think in this day and age, like, you have the Me Too movement and stuff like that. And it's just like, I feel like a lot of this can be prevented if, you know, we all kind of band together and say, hey, no, I'm not going to allow this to happen you know, just stop being silent, you know, because I think a lot of the times people are afraid to say something. And then, 
that's when things start to kind of escalate into bad thing, you know, not saying that, you know, like this, that it's their fault or anything like that. I'm just encouraging for people to stop being silent. You know, it's, it's stop feeling guilty because it's not your fault. You know, the, whoever did whatever crime to you, it's on them, not you, you know? And I think it's important for family members or support system that you have to stop treating the victim like they're some sort of parasite, like there's something wrong with them. Stop acting, making awkward when they're trying mm -hmm. to talk to you, you know, because it's right. just, it's unfair that, you know, it, it happened to them, but the, the least that you could do is just make it a more comfortable experience, you know? Well, and for your family, it really happened to all of you. You know, when something like that happens, it happened to your whole family, right? I mean, obviously it happened to you, but it, it, the ripple effects are something happened to your family. There was, a, there was a crisis in your family that wasn't dealt with in the most elegant way, but there was a crisis for everybody. Is, how, are, how are they all doing with your coming out with this publicly? <laughs> Well, you know, the interesting thing is, um, I, I don't know if you know, but there's a new law that protects survivors where they can be anonymous and, and they can even take like an alias and they're protected. You will never find out who they are. I had that choice to do that, but I thought it was very important as a victim slash survivor to put myself out there, put my name out there, put my face out there just so other survivors know that um, they're not alone. And sometimes I feel like when you read articles and you hear about things on, on the news and you just hear as like a John Doe, people dehumanize it. Right. You know? But if you can see a person's face and know that this happened to somebody, you, you realize they're not just some John Doe. You know, you take it more seriously. And I, ha I had the ability to have the support, you know, maybe not necessarily from people in my family, but, you know, I had a good support group of people saying that, you know, you're doing the right thing and you don't know how many people that, that are suffering in silence that you may help someday, you know? Right. So that's, I had to take it, you know, cause I'm not the type of person to be wanting to be in front of camera and stuff. That's right. why I work behind the camera. <laughs> right. So but I just looked at the bigger picture, you know, and I just think about like the kids who may watch this may not, you know, that will see that, okay, you know what? I'm not, I'm not in the wrong here. You know, I, I, I can, I, I, I can come forward, you know? And, so, and you can survive and become yeah. successful. Um, yeah. And, and telling your story doesn't have to, to hurt you. I think that that's a exactly lot what, why I thought about it too, because, you know, at the end of this, you know, nobody wants to be defined by something tragic or terrible that's happened to them in their life, you know, and I wanted to show people, you know, like I'm not being defined by what happened to me. You know, you, you don't have to let it define you. You don't have to let it destroy you. You can rise above it and do something with your life and um, make a difference, you know, in yeah. any small way you want to do it, you know. Tell us what stories you're telling with your work right now. Some of the stories that I do, you know, like I'm a documentary filmmaker and, you know, I pretty much follow people around the world telling their stories, you know, and I think it's very important in this day and age because you never know, you, you don't realize the power of film and video and who can reach. And so I have the ability to work and follow people who are going through some really trying times in their life and be able to show their uh, transition from beginning to end, you know, and it's rewarding for me as a filmmaker because I know I'm doing something to help someone else because someone who might be going through the same thing 
will see this video and then come and get the help they need because they saw this video. Right. We're seeing a theme here. <laughs> yeah. You know, just, <laughs> that is my theme is, you know, just being a voice for other people, you know, and didn't realize at the time that this would be my theme or mantra until I had a subject I was talking to uh, that was interviewing a couple weeks ago before all this blew up. She asked me, why do you do what you do? Why, what is your reason for what you do, what you do? And I had to think about it. And then going through all of this and I realized, you know, maybe it's because I never had a voice or felt I had a voice and I knew what that was like. Mm. And I wanted to be that voice for people who were afraid to speak up, who are afraid to come forward. And then I realized the impact of what it's like when you come forward and you speak up and how it helps other people. Because I can't tell you, after coming forward about this publicly, like there's been so many people from all walks of life that have been reaching out to me, have been telling me that, you know, I'm so glad what you're doing. Thank you for sharing your story. I happen to also be a survivor of blah, blah, blah. I've never told anyone except blah, blah, blah. And then now you. So right. I oh, feel wow. like wow. I'm being part of the solution instead of the problem. Right. And you're... Um you're being a receptacle too. That's such a beautiful thing. That's such an, an honor to be the receptacle of those stories too. And who knows what else you're, you'll do with these stories and storytelling as a result of this. What you're doing is healing hearts by just even the way that you're listening to these people. Yeah, I think like in this day and age, I mean, there's just so much terrible things out in the news and the media and so many bad things that are happening in the world, you know, and I like, the fact that I have the ability to tell stories that are just people trying to help other people, you know, just genuine good stories, you know, it's nothing about any terrible, you know, serial killers killing people, you know, it's not, none of that, you know, I'm just telling stories about people being good humans, you know, and I think that's something that we need in this day and age when there's just so much hate and um, hatred in the world, and just so much, you know, BS with the politics and fighting, and you have all these mass school shootings. It's just nice to tell a different story, you know? I'm so excited to know you, and I just want to say thank you so much for doing what you're doing. And um, can we actually, for, so is it only California that has this law right now of all the 50 states? Um, they, there is a couple other states like New York that has their own uh, child victims act. I think Chicago might've passed one as well, but you know, there are slowly passing others, you know, throughout the States, you know, but California and I believe New York are like right now leading it. So now, because I didn't know this until you, so now we're helping spread the word that at least in California, if you were a victim and you have it's, I'm just clarifying this one more time, 30 years yeah. to report it. Is that true? No, you have three years right now. Yeah, it's right. a three year window. But why are you able to do it in January? I'm, I'm not understanding. Isn't the new law expanding the amount of time? Yes, the new law is expanding. Um, it's, it's going in effect January 1st, 2020. Um, but it's a short window. The last window that, uh, there was for victims to come forward despite the statute of limitations was in 2002, I believe. So this is another short window, but you don't know that window might be expanded, you know? So right now it's just like a temporary window. Okay. So, so yeah. I don't understand. The thing I'm not understanding is the three year thing because you knew that you, this was affecting you when you were young. Okay. So there's, there's two ways. Um, 
the statute of limitations apply. So it's either, because the old statute of limitations was you had up to the age of 26 or up to three years of realizing that the abuse was happening. So that's a or. So say you were, I don't know, like okay. 30 and when you realized the abuse happened. You have up to three years from that moment on that you realize. So okay. now this statute of limitation that increases the that window to six years of upon realize I believe six years upon realization that you knew, noticed that the abuse was affecting you. So okay. let's say somebody came forward today and they just finally realized this abuse was happening. And say they're like I don't know like forty I, I guess you know. And so um, so that part of the new law would apply to them. So they have six years from that moment that they realized that the abuse was happening to them, affecting them to file suit. Yeah, I just don't, I mean, but you knew that it was affecting you when you were a kid. I, yeah, so that's why that part of the statute of limitations didn't apply to me. The only thing that applied to me at the time was my age. age. Right. Yeah, so yeah. when that ran out, I, I ran out of both, you know, both phases of the law, you know. Okay, so there's a window that we know is happening starting in January. And do we know how long that window is going to be until it could potentially be changed? Three years. Three years. Okay, so between January 2020 and January 2023. Yeah. Oh, 2021, 20, 22. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but you never know. They might extend it. But, you know, I really highly encourage other survivors to come forward now because there's going to probably be a huge log of people filing cases, you know, um, because of this new law. Right. Okay. Well, Amy, thank you for being what I call a superhero of love. You are always out there doing heroic work with your camera, behind the camera, and now you're in front of the camera. Thank you for coming out in front of the camera. Um, most um, filmmakers like yourself don't want to be in front of the camera like you just said, and it's just like, so it's, it's a big deal that you're doing it. I get yeah, that. I appreciate it, you know, and just any opportunity to show other people that, you know, what despite whatever people are going through in their daily life or whatever thing that might have happened to them when they were a kid, it doesn't have to define them. They can always, like I said, rise above it and, you know, be a change. You know, they they don't have to feel like that's gonna define them for the rest of their life, you know? It's not a crutch, you know. You can always turn a negative to a positive and that's how I've always lived my life. I was not gonna let this moment um, in my life to find who I am as a person. And I didn't want to be part of a problem. I wanted to be part of the solution. So that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And bravo, you are, you are being the solution. And thank you. I hope people hear this and are inspired to step forward and, and file their own lawsuits and also to tell their stories wherever they can tell their stories, wherever they can be heard. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much, Bridget, for having me. And, you know, best of wishes to everything that you're doing. And I think what you're doing is great because you're spreading positivity and love throughout the world. And that's what we need in this day and age is more spreading of love. Thank you for coming. I'm superhero of love, Amy Galicia Torres. Thank you for being such an incredible storyteller, for going around the world telling the stories of those who cannot necessarily find themselves their own camera to tell their stories and telling these stories so beautifully thank you superhero of love and for those of you um, who want to spread the word about this new law it allows people to file suit up to age 40 and they have a three-year window of opportunity and also there are three other states that have child victims acts 
um, that's Pennsylvania, New York, and Minnesota. So help us spread the word. And thank you for coming. If you like the podcast, please help us spread the word there too. Subscribe to it. Tell your friends about it. Rate it. Review it. Thanks, Superhero. And happy, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>